I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Welcome along to the Wise Ones Here podcast, where you'd think a defeat and a win for our rivals would send us all into despair especially considering Sunderland now second bottom. But not so would be my early estimation on that. We'll find out with Chris Young, Craig Clark and Rory Fallow just now. We're also hoping to hear from Lance Hardy, who's put a book together called Tales from the Red and White. And we're hearing from Big Sam as well. And we're bringing that back on the show, the manager reaction and stuff. Because Dick Advocate wasn't the best for that, Chris, was he? He's a bit more soundbite Sam, isn't he? Yeah, I know. Definitely. Definitely works, as long as we don't start losing again every week. <laughs> OK. Um, interestingly, when I was setting this up, Craig, uh, Rory, this is just a bit random, this, actually, so you'll have to just stick with it. <laughs> uh, when I was putting your Twitter handles together and stuck up stuff, and I noticed, Craig, you're Craig Clark 24. Does that mean you're the 24th available Craig Clark, is that as simple no, as that? I, I use that number for, like, email addresses and stuff. Oh. It's all, like, my birthday... It's my mum and dad's house number. <laughs> it's basically just the best number. Is it your bonus ball number? I don't do the lottery, mate. <laughs> Would it be if you had the choice? Yeah, probably. Or six. Because I was two thinking, and I was six, thinking you might it, have been so. like the 24th available Craig Clark or something like that. Because Rory's... No, there's just, no number after Rory, so yeah. you must have bagged the... You must be the only Rory follower. There's no it. more Rory followers. It's definitely one of those. It's hardly a Dave Smith kind <laughs> of name. Dave isn't even that popular anymore, actually. Isn't it? I was sort of mortified to know that my name's Stephen and the younger generation is very popular. Me actually, but Stephen isn't. Mm. Everyone's mm. going on about Gary dying out. Yeah, Gary's dying. Stephen and David These are the popular names when we were kids. Yeah. God. Well, yeah, well, Another yeah. row to come back, don't we? They get a whole <laughs> new generation of Garys. <laughs> Absolutely. <Gosh. laughs> um, before we start, then, I want to hear from Sam Allardyce on the summary of the game. Even the first 15 minutes with three very, very good chances in the first 15 minutes and then... Got back to 1 1, which we deserved, and then we had two chances, or certainly the header uh, flicked on the far post. And then we'd get the lead, we got something, and then finally they, they break us down again, which is a great shame on the, the amount of chances and the way we played today. But mm. um, like I said, if you don't take your chances, especially at a place like this, to, it's very difficult to ask the defenders to hang on. And um, unfortunately, never a free one today, but that's the way it goes sometimes. Playing away to Arsenal, Chris, and we're talking about not taking our chances, that's got to be a positive start with, hasn't it? Yeah, very much so. Um, the first half an hour in particular, I can't ever remember seeing Sunderland so comfortable at the Emirates. Um, they didn't quite dominate, but they were they were very comfortable and, and they looked far, by far the most dangerous team. Um, but you don't take your chances against a team like Arsenal, as Sam says, and you get punished and you look at Arsenal's first two goals, a bit of quality with both mm. assists. Uh, and finished off well, and that was the difference between the two teams. Yeah, because I thought Giroud, in particular, his goal, I'm not sure you can defend that. You could be no, so nice little boy from Ramsey, you could be ultra, Even the header, though, you could be ultra-critical yeah. and say, oh, you should be tighter, but come on. You know, you're not expecting yeah. somebody to put the ball in the net there with a the header. Yeah, I think I think the first one, Yedlin, you, you can question, but I think, I think the second one's a nice goal. Mm. Craig, you had a slightly 
Um, different opinion on the first goal. Or you, you did obviously acknowledge because we were texting during the game. You, you look confused. Well, it's hard to remember. Because <laughs> <laughs> obviously the, the obvious thing to say is that Yellen switched off and he got punished. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. But you were saying it come from further forward as well. If you thought that if Larson was playing, perhaps that didn't that goal didn't. Oh, happen. just as in the sense that Larson's probably you know on the right of a three, he's going to yeah. drop in and help him. I, I I was originally actually in person with the people around us, critical of Yedlin. I mean, you could mm. you couldn't really you can't just stop. And, and he's flat-footed and he's lost his man completely, hasn't he? Mm. But if Larson's in the team as well, it does give you another element. Or even Catamull, because there was only in Villa. And not that Toivonen's had a bad game, but he's not a pressing central midfielder, no, is he? As the game went on, you, and as we ran out of steam a little bit, it did really show how we were missing Catamull and Larson, that intensity out of the midfield. It faded a lot in that second half. Like uh, on the way here, me and Craig were saying Toivon and came in and had like quite a good game, but he's again like he faded quite a bit as the game went on. And mm. Larson and Catamore are just going to keep you going for that for that bit more in the game. And like you were saying, they're going to be covering in in an area well, like Chris. That obviously, you score. obviously you were at the game. Tell us about Toivon and then. I thought. I thought. I mean, obviously, when you when you. When you hear the news about Catamon being confirmed and Larson's out already, you fear the worst when you see a centre mid of Toivonen and Umvia. Um But I thought I thought Toivonen actually did really well for the first half. Um, he put in a few tackles, he, he spread the play, he got them moving quickly on the counter-attack. The problem, I think, in every time I've seen Toivonen start this season is, after an hour or so, he looks knackered. Um, whether, it, whether, he's, whether it's from not having much of a pre-season, whether he's just not match fit or... He needs to work on his fitness in general. I don't know, but he, he doesn't really seem to have a lot of stamina to, to last a full 90 minutes. Tell us about the shape of the side then. 5 4 1, really, I should just, expect. Just flat four across the middle. Yeah, yeah. I mean, obviously, what more in Barini were bursting forward at every single opportunity. Um, and the, the, the perverse thing is that, I mean, as Craig said, you miss a Larson in terms of closing down Arsenal. But what more in Barini? I thought Barini was probably the weak link. But. Mm. In having those two in the team, you d- they did offer a threat on the counter-attack and they did create a lot of chances. What about Barini then, people? Can we bl- can I'm, I'm going to give him the benefit of the yeah. doubt and say fitness, but as... He Rod- stole our heart the first time around, didn't I he? Asked, he, did, he I, w- I wouldn't have signed him, though, in the summer. I don't think he's what we needed. He wasn't the player that they needed, no. And even now, even if you play the two up front with five defenders... I don't think he's a prolific striker. I think he can work well as an out, like a sort of inside forward from the left or whatever. Which is what we needed last season. As yeah, just and we, d- we don't yeah. really seem to want that anymore. Even if we did want it, I'm not sure he's a big Sam player, which is something Rob Scanlon was saying next, last week. And I've sort of thought about that, and I'm not sure what he is in this side. Well, I mean, Advocat didn't really he was want sort of it, la- yeah. want him. He was his, la- he was oh. his last choice. He was his plan B because um, <clears> he wanted a target man like. Um, the lad in Germany, Ramos. And Poyet really wanted him. And Poyet really <laughs> wanted him, which this is, was, this is the irony which was the of irony the situation. Like a, we're like a laggy internet, aren't we? We're sort of just <laughs> catching up with the player like a few months later. But, I mean, Barini, he missed the chance. He almost gifted Arsenal oh, the mm, lead again just awful. after the equaliser. Yeah. Um, obviously, he is rusty. He's not had any games last season, really. Um, he's coming back from this ankle problem. But with the amount of money Sunderland shout out on him for transfer fee and wages, he's got to start producing. Your leeway for him is beginning to run out. Mm. I mean, we look at the Arsenal performance last season, Rory, very much back on the wall, a nil-nil draw, which was great for us for what we needed, but you know, you feel much more positive 
this time around, even though we lost a game, because oh, like, yeah. Arsenal didn't really produce the moments of quality for the first and second goal like we saw. No, the obviously other, the other game, like compared to last season, was right. Let's put let's put everyone on the goal line and let's hope no one can break it down. But in this, yeah, we were obviously coming with a point. Isn't the end? Like, well, point would be would have been amazing. But we were trying. We were trying to get goals. We des- we could have deservedly been ahead by the time we went one nil down. It was it does look like and but again like taking players like Larson and Catamull do sort of kill that that battle in your side quite a bit, which we had last last time out. Um, well, I think if you've got those two in to begin with, say. If if we'd been able to basically field an, an unchanged side with only maybe Defoe out, mm. we probably would have kept it tighter. And then you can change things later in the way he has done in other games. Yeah. And I'm not saying we would. Well, I was predicting a one nil win like that, and I don't think it was that ridiculous. Well, and, it could easily have been with with if things had gone for them, couldn't it? I mean, if you looked at Newcastle Liverpool game yesterday, <laughs> and everything went for Newcastle. Mm. If if everything had gone for Sunderland to get at Arsenal, it could easily have been that. And you can't legislate for moments of quality, as I say. No. Because, uh, you know, consider putting that into context, mm. I think we did okay, really. Um, centre-halves as well. Well, it's just all around the, the field, Chris, I guess. When you look at a defeat and there's no finger-pointing, I know we've just criticised Barini a little bit, but generally there's no finger-pointing. Again, that's just another good sign. Yeah. It's hard to take negatives from this. There was, there was uh, as I say, I think Barini was probably the only one. Um, Umvia, I think he's the best centre midfielder on the pitch. Uh, interesting that Arsene Wenger was, was mentioning mention, him in his programme yeah. notes. And that, he was speaking to him apparently yeah, afterwards. Yeah, he had a chat with him in the tunnel afterwards. So. It was a great job interview, wasn't it? <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, to be fair, though, if, if you're Wenger, you, you would be having a look at Umbia, wouldn't you? I yeah. mean, you, you, Flamini, Flamini's getting on, he's not really that great. Cazorla's getting on as well. Umbia's 25, he's proven his temperament, he's proven his quality in English football. Oh, don't, you're going to make me upset now. <laughs> Uh, I feel like obje- objectively, I just, though, if you're Wenger, you'd be, like be top of your shopping list yeah, in the summer. He looks, he looks a really like, brilliant player, yeah. isn't he? He's, he's, he's a top six player. He's a cut, yeah. cut above anything else yeah. in our squad, and that's not necessarily a criticism of yeah. the rest of our squad yeah. either. I, I mean, as I would say, arguably the best player on the pitch was Ozil, yeah. who was just... You know, you, you do sometimes see a player like that in the flesh and you think, right, OK, we're just playing someone special yes. today. But the fact that... It wasn't like when we got hammered off Man City at home and Aguero really did yeah. just run the show and, and you know, it, it was a much closer game than that. Mm. So it was nice to see them compete well against like a, a world-class footballer and actually have, like you say, probably the best midfielder mm. in terms of just central midfielders, midfielders yeah. on the pitch was, was in a red... Well, not a red and white shirt, but, you know, <laughs> that odd green colour. Aster green. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> the most encouraging thing as well is that there is a sign of progress, isn't it? I know you, you mentioned Newcastle there, and I, I mean, I don't know what people thought. I, I, I was there yesterday, and I still think they're quite erratic as a side, um, which I think you'll get from other sides down there, um, where... They've turned to a moment of quality on the day from someone like Vijnaldum, who they've paid a lot of money for, that he should be delivering moments of quality every now and again, although the first goal wasn't really quality. With Sunderland, there's, a, there's an obvious progress every game, and you can mm. see what that side is supposed to be. I would say that's a difference. Maybe I'm being yeah, a bit look, biased, and I'm, I'm clutching <laughs> straws, but that's they, the way I see it. They look like a proper team again. That's the, that's the big thing for me. They, everyone knows their jobs. They, yeah, they, exactly. they, they look resilient defensively, and they look dangerous going forwards. Um, they look mentally much stronger as well. Yeah, definitely. That's the that. big thing for me. They, they look, they look like they've got an idea of how they want to play. 
if the other team scores, they don't look like they're going to collapse. And that was huge the weekend as well because I think yeah. I, I turned round. I, I was watching it with, with Gary uh, Gary Spalding, and then I turned round to him and I said, uh, "Right, this is how they react now." As soon as Arsenal scored, because previously and historically yeah. they would have folded like a pack of cards there. Yeah. And not only did they sort of regroup and compose themselves, they went on to get an equaliser before after. Yeah. And Arsenal did after they'd scored both the first and second goal. Arsenal did put their foot on the gas for the five minutes or so afterwards. But Southern weathered that storm and then created more chances. What about the goalkeeper? Anybody? I was going to say that uh, you wouldn't blame him exactly, but he—he's not the most mobile, is he? he doesn't really sometimes you wish you think wanted him to get off his line. Yeah, quick. Yeah, yeah. You, you, movie. It was a criticism I was out of McGinley. Doesn't move his feet fast enough. Um, no, McIlhenny did rectify that, and then he got his big money move to Liverpool. Yeah. But there's often a goal will will go in, and you, you look at Pantelimon, you think, well, okay, probably wouldn't have saved that, but I would like him to do something, make the effort. Yeah. <laughs> I would like him to put his hand out or or move his feet and try and go. That we've been hypercritical here. I guess it shows how far we've come again. When when we we're, we're almost, I almost feel like we're nitpicking a little bit here. Yeah, and he had been good recently as well. That shouldn't be forgotten. Last two games, especially in the Palace game, he was really strong and he was coming out and he was making punches, which we'd been a bit critical of. But yeah, like you say, it was going to go in anyway. If it would have just been a bit of an empty gesture, wouldn't it? I think it's the the Campbell one. I know his finish was a lot more clinical than Barini's, but like, and I know Czech's a much better goalkeeper, Mm. but he just didn't seem to really. Do anything. He's got a problem with that. I can remember when uh, Bardsley scored against him when he was mm. Man City's goalkeeper, yeah. and that sort of mm. angle really he doesn't deal goal. with it very no, well. Definitely. In fact, did he play in the cup final? He did, yes. yeah. And again, it's that mm. shot coming across him. He, yeah. I don't know. There's something. It just it seems like a bit of a weakness that people overlook because obviously the main ones his distribution, which is clearly not good enough. Yeah. But he does have other little ones mm. that sort of people maybe don't pick up on. But the more you watch him, the more you like. Come on, I, all right, you're right. Just making a show of something doesn't yeah. doesn't mean he's going to save it. But when it is a regular occurrence, you want to like, shows say that something he's thinking, else. doesn't it? It shows yeah. that he's like learning the ball, kind of. Not. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <All right. laughs> Have you got an inside feeling, Chris, of how the manager feels about the keeper? He likes him. Does he? There's your inside. That's a line under that one, isn't it? He likes him. We're trying to keep a content flow on here, Chris. Give us some more on that. Well, I think. I mean. I think when you look at Pantillamon's form over the last month or so, it's improved significantly because in the last days of Advocat and the early days of Allardyce, he looked distinctly shaky probably for the first time in his Sunderland career. Um, obviously, he's got the option to bring back Pickford in January, but I can't imagine him doing that. I think Pickford, leave him there for the he's season. He's going along nicely, isn't he? There's, there's no reason exactly. to disrupt that. Um, he made a brilliant save as well against Burnley on yeah, Saturday, yeah, which he tipped on the, onto mm-hmm. the bar. So I think no, I think he likes Pantillamon because he, he he does when he's on when he's confident he, he dominates his penalty area. Do you think that's something that um, could go against Pantillamon in way in in regards to the reaction of the fans if they say Pickford doing so well? You know what people are like when they want young kids to play, especially when they're local lads. Am I being harsh on Sunderland fans here? I think with a goalkeeper though, do people not? have a bit more understanding about it's mm. a bit different to chucking a four <laughs> I'd like to think so no, anyway. I, think, I think you're right I think as well keepers generally get get away with it a little bit yeah. in Sunderland because they're usually busy so they're usually making <laughs> enough saves aren't they they yeah. like make up for the mistakes and I think there's question marks over Pantelimon but I don't think there's masses of the crowd baying mm. for his blood no, it's, it's not like Minone when people wanted him to be dropped is it it's... And, and even then I think you maybe bring 
Pickford back next season and, and he just probably replaces Minoni as the, as the Maybe second I, I, choice. I suppose it might depend on if you get any decent offers for Pantillon in the summer. That's a good point. I mean, yeah. what's interesting, I think, as well, is that we're talking about the side and the system and often people say, and it's the kind of thing Allardyce would normally say, you know, it doesn't necessarily matter about the system, it's about maybe the self-belief of the players, the work off a of ball and stuff. But if there were, ever there was an example that the system is important, it's at Sunderland. Because players like Van Arnold, using him as an example, to an extent Yedlin, clearly going to struggle as attacking full-backs for a side like Sunderland. Mm. Perfect for a wing-back position. We spent weeks and weeks and weeks on here talking about Jermaine Defoe, how he was a wrong signing for Sunderland, when we play a system with one striker. Suddenly you play two strikers and you need Jermaine Defoe on your side, don't you? The contrast is, 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 is massive. And you feel like if he played at the weekend, the results certainly could have been different. Maybe, but then the interesting thing is how what you do against Watford now, with mm. Larson probably Catamol still out, oh, can, right, can, can you really drop Watmore? You've yeah. got to put Defoe back in now, I think, and I think you probably yeah, can say Barini's a obvious one to drop because he didn't have a great game. I think what more you could you can do you give what more a free roll or do you maybe put him on the bench? I think you could you could get away with starting what more if you had maybe Mvia and Catamol alongside him in that three. Yeah. But yeah, yeah for what depends who the other one is, doesn't it? Yeah, yeah? that's the question. What does he does he stick with Toivonen and Villa as a two man sort of midfield? Mm-hmm. And then if he does that, then it, I think it's like massively open. He, he could do yeah, anything, could, really. I could uh, possibly put Rodwell back in as well. Didn't give a terrible showing of himself. Well, that's not yeah. what you <laughs> thought. <laughs> yeah. tell, me, tell me about Rodwell, Chris, because it's different when you're at a game and watching it on the telly as, as I think the rest of us were here. No, I was there. I was oh, were you there? Were yeah, you? I was oh, there. Right. You, there. You probably mentioned, but I was probably... Ignored. Probably yeah. <laughs> that's why I couldn't remember what your text said. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so I know about Rodwell, because looking at Twitter, obviously Arsenal scored as soon as he come on, you can't blame him for that. No, the people behind me were quite were keen to... Well, that's what I, that's, yeah. that's, suddenly we've got a scapegoat again. Now, I, I'm think, not, I think I'm there is an element of that. I'm not trying to, to defend him. Tell me about his performance, you two, then. I thought for the first 15 minutes or so when he came on, he looked like he was chasing the game. Um, but then he produced that super ball three yes, for Van Aanholt. Van Aanholt, yeah. Um, I don't know. The difficult thing is he'd only had one, day, one day's training. He'd been away in Germany last week for some treatment. Sam seems to be loving his continental uh, <laughs> injury specialist at present. As long as he wasn't away in Germany watching football, that's yeah. a very popular uh, thing for lads to go and uh, do. Uh, <laughs> get the cheap flights and the cheap tickets. So obviously, so obviously he's not he's not he's not really fit. He was he was sort of pressed into action because of the injuries to Catmull and Larson. Um, but I think everyone everyone knows it. We're coming up to the time where when is he ever going to show something? You wonder. Obviously, they're doing the draw for the third round of the cup tonight. You wonder if. When that comes along, do you try him as one of the three centre halves? <laughs> I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna die happy until this experiment happens. To be honest, we needed. We needed to draw a line <laughs> under this on one way, uh, one way or the other. We're gonna hear from Sam now. On we've mentioned the replacements who who come in for the side, and here's Sam's thoughts on that. I think that you know we players like Lee Catamol, Jermaine Defoe, and Larson missing today, so we had our own injury problems. But the lads that stepped in today. Like I said, gave a very, very good performance and shown very, very well, which encouraged me about about the the squad depth. Um, so if they can play like that, when we've got players missing, then they've got to be determined enough and have the same desire today from now until the end of the season and keep improving. So, like I said, we are disappointed today, but 
in performance terms, I am very satisfied with the the way the team played today. I thought they were, from a performance point of view, I thought they were very, very good against an Arsenal that's always always difficult to play against. But the way we played today, we didn't make it look that difficult on occasions. Once again, nice problem to have, Craig, that we've suddenly have a system. This is not going to change now. You wouldn't have thought. Well, um, it was the five at the back. I mean, certainly in the two strikers. I know he played one striker at the weekend, but I think at home he's going to went to force it. I think he's going to try and play two strikers. And it's good to have a have a problem where you think, okay, if somebody's not performing, you know who comes out and potentially who can go in. And that's that's massive. Well, it's the one thing is when you mentioned Rodwell that hasn't he said basically if we get an injury he's going back to form. Mm. So I, it doesn't seem like he's keen on it. No. Um, that's going to be the only instance we've got. We're really thin on the ground at the back. Even if you're playing with two centre backs, we're thin on the mm. back, ground at the back. Valentine Robert scored for <laughs> lads. He's coming back <laughs> to hopefully leave <laughs> in the January. Great shot um, window goal. I get it. A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at uh1.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Um, I know Kiri- we ask you... Kiri- 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 in every time you come on, Chris, <laughs> tell us about Tom Beale and his injury situation. Because yeah, he's won he, the like, isn't he? I think he, uh, he, he's due back in full training either this week or next week. I thought he was. Oh, did he get injured again? Because I thought he was back in full training. No, well, he might be on it, in it now, but it was right. This is around the time. Anyway, this is when we're nitpicking. <laughs> this is around the time where he's coming back into full training. Because I think the dream for more Sunderland fans is, in three years' time, we have a, a spine of Pickford, Beelan, and what more <laughs> yeah, in there I, somewhere. I, I think, I think that Gooch, the club, maybe that'd be the club's dream as well, <laughs> yeah. isn't it? Oh uh, yeah, well, because you obviously save a lot of money if you've got homegrown players. Um, Beeling, he's decent, very good on the ball. He could do with a loan move. He's he's one of those who... Has he been anywhere No, already? he's not been anywhere. And as a centre-half, you need to f- go and play against some ugly six-foot-plus <laughs> Especially don't you? Especially Al- Allardyce, yeah. He's, he's good on the ball, but you know maybe that's less important <laughs> to Allardyce. Well, maybe. Get him lining up against Hack and Fenway. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Get bulldozed. Yeah. <laughs> I, I know there was interest from the SPL earlier in the season, so maybe that for the second half of the season, I think he could do a lot of this. Okay, Craig, hover your finger over that that button there. Yeah. Right. When we come back, we're going to speak to Lance Hardy. Technical. <laughs> okay, Lance Hardy has put together a book called Tales from the Red and White, which is a succession of stories by journalists and fans. And we have him joining us to tell us about it now. Right in time for Christmas, Lance? Yeah, good time for a book to come out early December, I think. Stock and fill is the word you're looking for. I think the words that you're looking for, I think. Uh, good value stocking filler. Oh, there you go. <laughs> Tell us about it. Tell us about some of the uh, people you have involved in this. Yeah, it's, it's as you say, it's a collection of uh, people who have a deep affinity with with the club. Um, there's a few former legends 
in in there, Jim Montgomery, Gary Bennett and Gary Rowell. Um, people who have covered the club for many years, Graham Anderson of the Sunderland Echo, Doug Weatherhall, formerly of the Daily Mail. Um, people such as Pete Sixsmith, Nick Barnes, myself, David Jones, who presents for Sky Sports. So there's a whole array of, um, of contributors who span many, many years. Uh, you know, Doug Weatherhall's first memory as a boy was his father going off to the 1937 FA Cup final. So uh, we're talking about a lot, a lot, of, a lot of years here. Chris Young from the Sun and Echo, are you ready for the sequel coming out? Yeah, I'll get a chat to them, <laughs> won't I? <laughs> are there any particular favourite stories you have, Lance? Obviously, we're giving too much away. Yeah, well, a, a particularly favourite chapter is the one that Jeff Brown of BBC uh, Look North has put together. He's uh, he's written a stage play uh, about David Corner. It's called Cornered, and uh, it relates <laughs> to not just the 1985 League Cup final that uh, none of us will need reminding about, but um, what's happened to David since that time. Um, and he's done it in the form of a one-man stage play, and it's a, it's a really fascinating read. It really is. It works, got, it works well in print. Has he got plans to actually uh, put it on the stage? Oh, you'd have to ask him about that, but <laughs> I think now that it's published... You know, there's uh, there's every chance that somebody might have a look at it and see that they think it can work. Uh, I, I definitely think it could work. Craig, if you had the chance to write about something like this, would it be would, would it be um, Alan Johnson? Would be your probably would be your yeah, guy, I think so. It? Or Kabitsky maybe. Um, I, I was my favourite as a kid. I used to have like uh, a, a, that teal away shirt with uh, Kabitsky on twenty six on the back when I was a little lad. Um, but I Johnson was growing up most exciting player I'd ever seen. To be honest, was it was it hard lunch with people like Benno and Gary Rowell, who obviously have such an affinity for, to the club? Was it hard for them to just to pick one thing um, mm. to focus in on? Yeah, it's an interesting question. Um, Gary decided to write about the three matches at Wembley because he's the only Sunderland player to represent the club three times at Wembley, so that makes his story unique, of course. Um, Gary Rowell uh, decided to write about 1973 um, and the impression and inspiration of um, of that cut run. And he was an apprentice at the time. He, he signed for Alan Brown in the summer of 1972, and so he had this really unique relationship with the players that he was training, you know, with them, and then cleaning the boots, and then standing on the terraces of the fan sometimes going along for just the second half because he had a youth team game in the morning, uh, travelling to the away games as a fan, turning up at Roker Park first thing in the morning, you know. Um, I mean, he obviously, you know, Gary could have written about 103 things to do with something and they were just his goals, but uh, <laughs> he, ch- he chose that one because, you know, that inspired him to become the professional that, uh, that he became. And, of course, he made his debut a few years later with some members of that team. If you ever want a, a story about Gary Rowell on the inside of pubs modern day, then Chris is here and he could, um, he could probably help you out. I, I've heard his story about the last goal at Liverpool, winning goal at Liverpool 1,700 times, if you want me to recite that one. <laughs> there any um, modern day favourites of yours, Lance, who you, who you might think sort of five or ten years' time could uh, could be good for this? That's put you on the spot, oh, I realise. Of the, of, the, of the current... Of the, of the current oh, yeah, yeah although current-ish, yeah. Yeah, I mean... Immediately, I mean, Pete Sixsmith writes about the the great escape under under Gus two years ago. Um, I'm immediately thinking 
Defoe's goal against against the Magpies. I mean, there's, there's, there's never a dull moment there mm. with regards to our recent history. Um, it always seems to be that there's something to write about regarding something. You know, mm. I mean, Chris will know more than anyone, but there never is a dull moment. And so that we always, just when we think that, you know, we're scratching our heads as to where it can go mm-hmm. next, there's always sort of like something else to write yeah. about, you know. No, I think, I think, I think, change the story. I think you're right with the default thing because we're, we're quick. We speak a lot, Craig, on here, don't we? How sort of you, you forget about the, the sun and the sides because they change so much within two and three years. Mm. Um, but the DeFore thing, I think you've hit the nail on the head because, of course, Proctor did that interview with him for the club and it was great how emotional he got. And I watched the the um, documentary, the sports stories thing on DeFore was again on the other night. Mm. I don't know if any of you mm-hmm. caught it. And that was before mm-hmm. he went to Toronto and he was talking mm-hmm. about that goal for England in the World Cup. But he's since come out, Chris, hasn't he, and said that mm. the goal against Newcastle is, is equal with that. Yeah. And yeah, that I mean, is a player yeah. with a distinguished career as well. Yeah, I think. I, mean, I mean, I can think of a few just recently. I'm, one that springs to mind for me is Bardsley's goal in the... Um, in the League Cup semi, yeah. Man U after after being one. thrown out by Paolo Di Canio that summer and told to train with the with the kids and almost being on the verge of joining Fulham and then getting injured and then coming back into the team and then having that great moment. I remember speaking to him that night at Old Trafford and he Bardo he's he's what you see is what you get mm-hmm. but he, he, he was struggling to hold back his emotions. Man United fan as well. Yeah, Man United fan as well. I'm sure there'd uh, be a few perhaps emotional for different reasons stories in that Di Canio era that are <laughs> that I think there'd be there's the, probably the about after he went yeah. say, there's probably about a thousand uh, chapters worth of material have from you that not, you're not trying to track the Canio down Chris since no I haven't no no come on it's, 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 <laughs> it's what the people want it's what the Sun and fans want I think he likes the Lira though doesn't he we're doing all this Sky Sports interviews <laughs> <laughs> okay lads did you want to just finish by telling our readers reminding us what it's called and how much it is and where you can get it and stuff uh, the, the, the book's called Tales from the Red and White. Um, it's volume one. We're hoping that volume two is going to follow next year. Um, it's priced at £10. There's 12 chapters. It's good value for money. I do say that, but it, it is true. And it's available at the club store. It's available in Waterstone. It's available Amazon, you know, usual outlets. <laughs> Okay, thanks to Lance there. Ten quid, I think I know what I'm buying for Christmas, to be honest. We don't spend a lot on each other. We don't spend a lot on each other. Who thought there when he said ten quid? Who, honestly, who thought, right, that's me buying at least one copy of that for somebody? Several. <laughs> <laughs> there you go, Lance. It was worth coming on after all. Okay, uh, I just want to speak about where we go now. I've got copies of the league tables all. And this is a point that um, Gareth made a couple of weeks ago on the show about how normally Chris you look at the sides who are in the bottom three and how they're sort of within touching distance of, of the mid-table but they're just nobody down there can sort of seem to put runs together um, this year it's a little bit different isn't it because you've got Southampton in 12th or 21 Chelsea are surely going to going to climb out of it well, yeah. you would have thought <laughs> so then you need to worry about a little gap opening off don't you where you, you wouldn't, you, you're worried that the bottom four or five might pull away. Our Swansea look like they're in free fall a little bit, though, you have to say. Yeah, uh, t- to be fair, I think it's no surprise. I think, to some degree, you thought Sunderland would be in the bottom six most of this season. You, when you looked at the contenders for relegation at the start of the season, Sunderland, Newcastle, Villa and the three newly promoted teams immediately jumped out on you. 
Uh, and it, other than Swansea swapping for Watford, that, that's the way it's looking. I think Watford, to me, are the, are the, they look all right, don't they? They look all right, I don't they? 22 points from 15 games. I mean, mm. that, that's really healthy what, I mean, for them at this time the, of the season. Historically, a promoter club normally comes up and does well and then crashes second half of the season. But they look like a They're going to need some crash, aren't they? They look like a cohesive mm, yeah. unit as well, don't they? Yeah, well, I mean, they're yeah, not... We're, we're in Blackpool, like... Blackpool and Hull. Hull was the same, yeah. They stayed up just, though. Yeah. It was like after the, the team way, talk, yeah. wasn't it? The Phil Brown yeah. Man City team talk. They seem to... They're, they're a funny one, Watford, aren't they? Obviously, we've got them next as well. And it's not... A, you don't look at that and think it's got home win written all over. No. Even after the, the recent upturn. Because they've got a manager who's, like, got experience at, like, a decent level. Yeah. And, like, they seem to have this knack of... It doesn't matter if the turnover of players is high... They seem to bring good ones in. Yeah, they do. And turnover of managers as well. Yeah. Yeah. Like, it just yeah. shouldn't work at all. Yeah, but it exactly. Is. People look at like Swans in Southampton and they're a bit obsessed with these models yeah. and how they've been built up properly. And you look at Watford just going through managers and going through just players. The most inconsistent and you think, how side. On earth, how on earth are they sort of keeping that momentum going? We've got goal scorers there. I think yeah. that's, the, that's the key. It takes you so far in this league. I think I saw a graphic on earlier today on the, the top Premier League goal scorers this season. And in the top five was. Vardy, Mares, and Igalo. and hmm. I think Giroud was the only one amongst any of the big hmm. boys. Which says a lot that if you've got a goal scorer, you can you can get up there and mix it with the big boys nowadays. I think Norwich's uh, fall Rory seems to be coming at a decent time for us. We almost give them a free pass that week that came here and yeah, turned us over. The... You, you almost feel like any side in the Premier League would have turned up to Stadium Light and, oh. and won that game, and that. that I'm hoping that three points isn't going to be relevant because if, if obviously if even if we draw that game, we'd be on what we'd be above them. I think. Yeah, they didn't yeah. even look particularly brilliant that day. No, you know, like they were just well organised, weren't yeah. they? Yeah, they were just a professional football yeah. team. <laughs> yeah, Anyone we could have yeah, beaten yeah. yeah, exactly. <laughs> but they've never looked that impressive since. Even like Newcastle mm. went and put six past them, which says a I lot. Know, it's really bizarre, isn't it? That Newcastle are, are sort of where they are, but they've scored six goals in a single game, mm. <laughs> and in fact, have only scored. 16 all season mm. it's like a really to be scored fair, six goals in one game so we have that day was absolutely ridiculous they, they turned up and thought they could just go all out of attack and no side in the Premier League oh definitely but it is it is weird like a strange season where it's not like oh you know they, they always big it up like anyone can beat anyone which is, isn't really true but there are a lot of teams who are ta- not just taking points off each other Norwich draw with Arsenal one mm. week and get ham- like hammered by a Newcastle team that can't really score yeah. goals. Yeah. Strange season. So I think there is a, there is scope for other teams up there. Who I mean, West Ham are in a completely false position. I don't think they're a very good side. I don't think they'll get relegated because they've got like, 20 23 points, points yeah, but I don't yeah. think Billich is a great manager. I think they'll be in the bottom half. I think it's interesting that Southampton are 12th as well. I think you know they are one of those poster boy teams, but... You could see there's Everton. the stagnation sometimes, isn't there as yeah. well? You could see Everton and West Ham swapping places there quite easily. Yeah, yeah. I would say so. That seems like a reasonable yeah. like assessment. I mean, we we have to. It's interesting, Chris, because half time at the Emirates on Saturday, I think every Sunderland fan was, was almost on cloud nine because they're seeing clear progression. We've just won two games on the row mm. in a row. Uh, keeping clean sheets at the same time. We're outplaying Arsenal at the Emirates and we're drawing one one at half time. Suddenly you think. Easy this, twelfth by uh, twelfth by the end of the season. Then Bournemouth go and win. Then Newcastle go and win. It's very important, isn't it, that the players sort of put all that out of the mind and just continue on what they're doing. And I think for fans probably as well, isn't <laughs> yeah. it? It's a, it's, a, it's a long old route as Sunderland have proved over the last three seasons. Really, 
Um, nothing's decided at this stage of the season. I think I think one of the things that Dick Advocate was right about was when he said, what, end of August, start of September, they've just got to keep in contention with the teams in and around them um, by December time. And then by the second half of the season, you think those players who came into the club during the summer, who were also rusty, um, will be better and the club will be in a lot better position. And I, you tend to wonder whether that's starting to ring true. Um, I mean, the two points between Sunderland in 19th and 50, Swansea in 15th is nothing. Sure, how important those last two wins have been as well. Yeah. Like With Bournemouth Completely. and Newcastle winning games that we weren't expecting them to, even if we'd only, say, drew against Stoke or Crystal Palace, you're looking at being three clear points between us and Bournemouth. I think at this stage, looking at the point tallies down now, I mean, Villa are on sixth and we're on twelve. Newcastle, Bournemouth, 13, and uh, Norwich, 13 as well. Is that three of them on 13? Yeah, yeah. yeah it is. Uh, Swansea, 14, Chelsea again, arguably not. Then there's a bit of a gap to West to West Brom. I think it's imp- it's hugely important that, like you say, Robbie, we put points on the board and got into double figures. Yeah. Psychologically, you think, if anybody under under double figures at that stage, it'll, it'll, it'll be a problem, wouldn't it? Yeah. I think that that's what Allardyce immediately set his target as from his first eight games that he needed to be into double figures. Because mm. uh, so we, we suddenly we beat Watford. That's fifteen points from sixteen games, and yeah. Roy Keane used to always make the point, didn't he? That you know you try to get a point, point in a game. Yeah. Yeah. Conversely, if we lose that game, well, let's not think about that. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, it's, it's, let's it's, take the Michael Proctor route of positivity. <laughs> and, and, yeah, yeah it's, it's huge. The Watford game, isn't it? It's a big. It is a really big game. Mm. Like it, because as we've said, they're not just fluking their way. They're, they're ten points above us mm. for a reason. Because they're, they're they're not just got goal scorers; they look really solid defensively, yeah, they don't they? Like I can see us frustrating them. Well, like, if you, if you yeah. look at how we frustrated Stoke, who mm. I know they had a man sent off, but if you look how Shakiri was just totally nullified in that game, mm. you've and got then to he think. Rosen has a brilliant game by all accounts. Exactly, this weekend, so. like you've got to think that we can do that against players like Igalo and Dini. And I think that's an excellent point because um, Watford have probably benefited from some sides maybe taking them. A bit lightly, yeah. Yeah. especially at home and thinking Newcastle that happened too early on, didn't it? Where every, the Newcastle mm. fans turned up and thought, "Okay, we'll win this game," and mm. the, the Watford caught them on the counter and it should have won by more goals by all accounts. But as Rory says, Allardyce isn't going to fall into that trap. He's, and, he's not uh, going to send his players out to go all out guns blazing. Yeah. It's not his style, is it? And you, you, you might think, "Oh well, you know that we might turn up as supporters and think, oh, you know, we should be beating Watford." But Allardyce kind of in in a good way doesn't give a stuff what we think he's going to do what he thinks <laughs> yeah. he'll win a game and as we saw at West Ham that might pay off a few fans but he's he's not bothered about that and, he doesn't and, care what we think but not in the Gus Poyer way <laughs> yeah and, but he's not likely to he's, I think he's got an arrogance about him that's, that's earned like, oh, yeah, he's done yeah. enough in the game yeah. to, to warrant that whereas somebody like Poyet for all his positive qualities which he did have some he, he hadn't earned that right no no um, and I don't think he'll, he would he's not He's not got that same snipey manner. I think. No, he, he's, he's clever. He, he's shrewd. Yeah, he's that's a wily old for. cat. Mm. <laughs> um, so I'm, I'm quite like like looking forward to it. I was looking forward to Saturday, and I didn't see anything to make me feel unhappy, apart from no. the fact that we didn't get anything, which was a shame. And although Watford are a good side, it's not like going into the Stoke game where I really, even though we'd beaten Palace, it still felt really dicey. You were like. You know they've, they're not conceding goals. How are we going to win this? You, you do have a lot more like confidence and optimism, yeah. and it's not the kind of confidence and optimism that was developed under maybe Advocate, where it was very fragile. This mm. feels like a manager who knows what he's doing in this division, 
Like so that means we're definitely gonna get beat like two without out. But I mean before the weekend as well though, that the, the group of fixtures we have over Christmas looked pretty scary. And then you watch Liverpool at Newcastle look, and you watch the way so Man scary, City keep playing and you think, you know, that isn't beyond the realms of possibility I, I think, now. I think the gap between the big stuff. boys and the rest is, is narrowing it all is, the time yeah. at the moment. Well it's interesting, like Newcastle have got um Tottenham this weekend, just you're thinking about mm-hmm. the teams around you. The Spurs are playing in uh, in the Europa League this week and it's a good time maybe to catch Spurs aren't losing games but they didn't win last weekend no. they're not exactly blown teams away apart from like West Ham and do we catch Liverpool after a European fixture I don't think we do because it's no, the last it's between, round it's between Christmas, Christmas and New Year it's it? a bit of a shame that because obviously they'd played midweek in the League Cup this time Yeah. so I'm not saying that's a definite mitigating factor but he, he did change the, the team quite significantly from that did, yeah. Yeah. and it just never seems to fall for us, that does it? <laughs> Obviously, it does. But people are going to tweet in with loads of examples now. <laughs> well, I can think of one. We'll beat Newcastle three 0 They played Benfica in the Europa yeah. League. But I don't know. Just at the minute, you just you don't want them to get them to be playing Spurs after Europa League, and us to just miss out on that. It would be nice if it was the other way around, with us sitting second bottom. It gives you even more confidence that you're yeah. going to get something. But your Europa League thing is fascinating, isn't it? How sides. <laughs> Go all season to qualify for Europe and then put a weekend side out because they don't want to be in Europe. So let's um, concentrate on the league so we can qualify for this tournament that we don't care about again. And then as a supporter, you'd be furious if it was you. I'd be really annoyed, especially ones like, was it Southampton? Did they get knocked out? I think. And Hull last season? West Ham? Hull Hull last season. Just like, what's the point? And then Hull got relegated anyway. Turning up then? Yeah, Uh, which was hilarious because of many reasons. (laughs) 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 Do you want to start listing some? Would be here Steve all night. Bruce's face. <laughs> <laughs> El Mohammadi's face. Yeah, yeah. David Miner's face. face yeah. All the faces. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> right, oh, Craig, uh, I'm going to ask you to hover over and press that button for me for the last time this evening. Thanks for listening over and out. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade.